And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 362. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first show of 2020. Where's the C-Lab? I want to go there. Anyway, um, so anyway, so welcome along, everybody, and welcome to the show. And before we get started this week, I wanted to draw your attention to the two polls that I just posted earlier today on the Facebook group. And uh, it's really important, I think, that, that everybody who's listening to the show should respond to these two. And it, this is going to help us decide on what we're going to be covering, whether we're going to be covering longer runs or whether we're going to be covering shorter runs. And also just get a sense of what you don't want me to cover. If you don't want to hear Hercules stuff, obviously Hercules Unbound would not have been a popular choice. But you know, if you guys have something particularly from Thor or Hercules or mythological characters in the comics, then, you know, I would encourage you to go and take the poll. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to promise that I'm going to stick to that, you know, religiously on what what everyone else wants as opposed to what I want to cover. But I really will take this very strongly into consideration because there are some... Yeah, I noticed, you know, looking at the facts and figures of of the shows and the number of downloads and so forth, that there are some topics which are more popular than others. And and I want to see if the opinion on the Facebook group squares with what I'm seeing in the download numbers. And are we going to continue to cover these things that people don't want to listen to? Because obviously we want people to listen to the show and, you know, if we're covering stuff that they don't want to hear, then they're not going to download it, you know? So I want to make people happy basically. Um, so anyway, so I do hope that everyone will take the time to, you know, go ahead and participate in those two polls that we have up as of today. And uh, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Um, and of course, you can email the show if you want to email us. Uh, email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. Though we very rarely get any emails there. Anyway, so um, without any further ado, let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder. And this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor number 211, May 1973, cover date, cover price is 20 cents. Cover art is by John Buscema, looks like he inked himself on this one. It's a kind of a sketchy cover, but it, it kind of does the job. Anyway, so we have uh, Thor and he is pushing up a big piece of, of pavement, which is bright yellow for some reason, and he's pushing this up and there's a sort of weird laser tank Kirby Kirby device thing and uh, it is being ridden by Ulick the troll and he is surrounded by various members of his troll army there's a lot of smoke in the background and we see you know, poking through the 
the uh, smoke. We see the tops of like New York City buildings in the foreground. Is Thor, of course, he's holding up this big chunk of road, and there are some civilian types who are panicky and running away and that kind of thing. And Ulick is saying, Stay away, Thunder God, or else you perish with all mankind. Away, I command you. And I say thee nay, says Thor. If Earth must die, let Thor die too. Ulick invades the surface world. And we open to the splash page where we have the credits. Jerry Conway was the scripter. John B. Sema and Don Perlin were the artists like last time. Vinnie Claudette was the inker. Artie Simic was the letterer. Petra Goldberg is the colorist. And Roy Thomas is the editor. The title of the story is The End of the Battle. And we see Thor, and he is wrapped up in his cape. And if you remember, at the end of last issue, he dived into the fire to get Mjolnir, which had been kind of taken away from him by by Ulrich using a giant Uru magnet. So anyway, uh, the caption says, Like a madman, he dives down, down, down into the furnace of the trolls, into fires hotter than the blackest pit of Hades. Any other man or god would find his death in that hellfire. But not this god, for he is Thor, god of thunder, and none may say him nay. And also, if he died, then the book would be done. And uh, Thor is talking out loud to himself as he plunges down through the flames. Not yet sixty seconds have passed since last my hammer touched my hand. Since not quite one minute since Mjolnir was most brutally torn from me and sent to this fiery grave. Yet the seconds fly, and when that minute is done, Thor may not remain god of thunder, but must return to his human guise. A transformation which would surely mean his death. For where Thor may tread with near impunity, Dr. Donald Blake must certainly die. Of this, Ulick and his fellow trolls are surely aware, and t'was their plan that I should thus fall prey to their precious flames. Yet they reckon not on the will of a son of Asgard. And he uh, lands on the, the giant Uru magnet, and the hammer is sitting here, and he grabs it. So obviously, obviously now he's not going to change back into Don Blake, but he's still saying out loud, the will which has brought me to the slab of magnetized Uru metal, and which now giveth me the strength to fight its demon's pull, to steal from it that which it did steal from me, the mystic mallet Mjolnir. A little bit of uh, Stan Lee type alliteration there. And uh, he manages to kind of, you know how um, you got a really strong magnet and it's holding on to a piece of metal, and you can't like lift it directly off and you just kind of slide it off the side? Uh, because that takes less effort. That's what it looks like he's doing here. Uh, of course, he's on fire while he's doing this too. And he uh, manages to free the hammer, and uh, he says, Done, and yea, not an instant too soon. Now may I return to the caverns above, and there face Ulick's dark legions, and perhaps learn meaning and method behind this mad attack, though methinks the reason is already clear. Long has Ulick suffered the yoke of Asgard. Long has Geroder, the raging king of the trolls, sought a way to crush both Asgard above and Midgard below. Fair Midgard, fair Earth, I do fear thy peaceful hours art truly numbered. Verily, when Ulick doth bring his forces against thee, thou shalt find all other wars pale in significance. O mankind, I do pity thee. Thou art but children in the ways of warfare. Oh, yeah, we get the drama queen Thor back. Children whose greatest battle is only begun. And Thor climbs up out of the uh, big hole, and he's kind of pulls himself up onto the edge here. And the caption says, For one long, weary moment he rests. So long has it been since the frantic pace eased that he almost forgets all else. 
but only almost, as, by Heimdall's eyes, Ulick, Garoder, and their army of trolls, gone! And it, yep, so they're all gone, and Thor is standing here in this empty cavern with all the, you know, the creature mouths with the fire in it. Their mighty furnaces unkept, their caverns empty. I dare not deny the truth. Verily, the battle has already begun. You know, probably five minutes has passed since he dove into that hole. That's a, you know, I mean, they, they got out of here in a hurry, didn't they? Beside the threat of Ulick's carnage, all else must needs be forgotten. Yea, for what matter that Thor is exiled from fair Asgard? Still he is Asgard's loyal and noble son. Nor can mine own affairs stand in import. For the nonce, my quest for my beloved Sif must remain unresolved, as well as my search for the cause of her disappearance. My friend, my brother-in-arms, Balder the Brave. And a voice comes from uh, beyond. Noble sentiments, Thunder God. I, too, believed in a justice of a sort once. And it turns out to be the queen of the trolls. Ula, I believe her name is. She says, you seem shocked, Asgardian. Can you have already forgotten Ula, queen of the trolls? She whose warning cries spared you death at Ulik's bestial hands? Nay, troll queen, ne'er will that memory escape me. For truly was thou who didst allow me the moments I needed to retrieve thy mystic mallet. And because of it, I still do live to fight. And this is justice, Thor. And she turns away, looking all, all sad. Milady? I ask, is this justice? That I, queen, to my people should betray them? And I, my husband, as well, for the sake of a stranger's life? To something only thou mayest decide, says Thor. I but wish to stop this madman's war. Then go yonder, Odin's son. There shall you find Ulik. Ulik, who acted upon the shame I brought my husband, and who used that shame to take control of Geroder's mighty army. Then tis to a double purpose I battle, to save Earth. And in gratitude, to rescue thine honor as well. And Thor goes running off, and we get a full page here, and it appears that Ulik is on Earth now, and they just come bursting out of the mountainside, it looks like, and they, they have this uh, very like fake Kirby tank, much like on the cover, except that this looks completely different from the one that we had on the cover. But anyway, uh, they're all bursting forward, and Ulik is leading the charge here as they all burst out. Forward, you fools! Forward! Ulik commands it! Ulik the Invincible, he says as they pour out. Oh, and they're underneath New York City. So you see uh, we've got a kind of a diagram here. Not a diagram. It's kind of a, you know, cutaway scene and we see the buildings on top and then a bunch of plumbing pipes and sewers that kind of thing below that we have just sort of this purple layer and underneath that is this tunnel that's coming up from underneath the street and the troll army are, are all inside that and the trolls are, are talking soon brother soon do you hear the earthlings move above us but remain unaware oh it leads us to victory aye and to revenge revenge against mankind and at this point, the people above the, the ground uh, begin to see the uh, the result of the troll army underneath the ground. And uh, first, uh, there's a uh, manhole comes shooting up, and then uh, you know, buildings start to shake and collapse. And it says here, the first sign of that revenge is a momentary tremble, a sudden eruption, and the unexpected beginnings of a full-sized crash as the building comes toppling down. Fate has not been kind to the planet Earth, says the caption. It's given her man, who pollutes her atmosphere and her oceans, who endangers her very existence. 
And now, as though to compound that offhand blow, fate acts again and gives her Ulik, leader of the trolls. And Ulik is leading his army up, up from the street, up to the upper world. He says, vengeance, brothers, vengeance for those eons lost beneath this planet's crust. For the millennium we spent hidden from the sun and from our rightful place as masters of the world. Now, I think we have another problem here <laughs> because I don't think that trolls live below Midgard. But just saying, you know, I don't think the mythology would actually support that. Anyway, so uh, some of the you know other trolls are saying, uh, now, brother, strike now and the planet is ours. And we shift back to Thor, and he is wandering through underground uh, tunnels and caves and stuff. It says here, far from the strident voices, silence reigns. A weighty silence now broken by the soft footfall and the sound of shifting gravel. There's no use, says Thor. These passages do twine in no rational pattern. I fear I've lost my original path. And if I'm to meet the creature called Ulik in final combat, then I must find another route. Um, just saying this Thor but you're going through this really really small kind of passageway and they, they have a whole army I mean look for the bigger passageways <laughs> anyway um so yeah so Thor is lost and uh he decides to use his hammer to start carving out the the underground rather than find a new path he's just going to make a new one you blasting energy out of his hammer and he is shooting this out with a crack and rocks are flying everywhere and Says, minutes fly as rock and stone spin free, seconds chipped from some cosmic monument, monument to the grim determination of a creature both God and man. And we shift scenes back to the throne room of the trolls, and we have um, uh, Giroder, and we have Ua, and a uh, couple of guards. And Giroder, uh, he dismisses his guards. He says, leave me. I would speak alone with my queen. Uh, looks like she's trying to talk to him and the the old uh, Giroder is saying, Woman, woman, you have done your work well. Ulek has usurped my power and even now he wields that power in attack against the surface men in their city of New York. Please, my lord, please believe me. I never thought... Sire, you were warned. That woman is filled with treachery. Even your chief consular spoke against her and Muthos has never played the fool. I said be gone, says uh, Giroder, and he punches his guards with, his, with both hands, and they go flying back. I will speak with my wife alone. And so the two of them are left alone, and they're sitting on this rock slab bed covered in like a red cloth. Uh, Giroder's uh, talking to his wife. Dearest Garoder, does it fare that badly? Far worse, says Garoder. The battle above goes well. If Ulik should win his holy crusade, then all is lost. My kingdom is forfeit, as well as our lives. Then hold me, my king, and pray forgive me. My lady, I can do little else. And we cut to back to Earth, where the battle is going on, and the uh, New York uh, police are wearing gas masks, and they're firing... Uh, looks like, uh, yeah, gas canisters, that kind of thing, at uh, Riot Squad-type stuff, uh, firing gas at the uh, the trolls. Says on the surface, the undeclared ward continues, though in fact only the first foray has begun. Move up, Thurman. We've pulled six riot squads from the neighboring precincts. If you boys can't handle it, nothing will. Captain, that's just what I'm afraid of, says one of the cops. 
My mind was human, says Ulrich. They say to dispatch us with stinging smoke. Do they think us children, unable to control our tears? Perhaps they do not yet understand what force they are facing. Perhaps it is time they learned. And Ulrich reaches out and he grabs a moving van, which has just happened to be uh, sitting there, and he lifts it up above his head, and his box is falling out of it, and you know, he's getting ready to throw it. He says, For more years than humans can recall, the trolls have stalked beneath their hallowed earth, and no human weapon can strike so straight and true as the strength of an earth dweller born. And he hurls the, the truck, and it's, uh, he's hurling it at the cops, and it's flying through the air, and the cops are running away. The, the uh, cops are going, Kevin's Jones, get back. That ain't no blasted movie prop. That truck's for real. And it lands with a, a giant crunch and smashes a uh, police car and some other nondescript kind of red car. And Ulick is pushing forward. He says, brothers, the moment is now. Push, and the surface world is ours. Destiny is ours. Now and for all eternity. And the trolls are saying, Ulick speaks, Ulick leads. And the cops are uh, firing their guns at them. And they say, Captain, what are we going to do? Nothing stops them. Nothing. What do you think they are, Kevins? Gods? They're creatures, man. They breathe, they bleed, they fall. Do you hear me? They fall. And yeah, they're not falling because the anyway so they're they're shooting bullets at the trolls but it doesn't seem to be doing much good hulik the humans fight like creatures of fire says one of the trolls even they can die tiger they drop as we drop though they will drop faster for they are only humans while we are trolls so okay so maybe the bullets are doing some good here and there and we go back to the cops and uh, one of them say Captain Hayes, they've broken through to 34th Street. It's no use. We can't hold them back. And call the mayor. Get out the National Guard. And we shift scenes once again, and this time we are in Avengers Mansion. And in case you have forgotten, uh, we have a number of guests here at the Avengers Mansion, mainly the Warriors 3. And uh, they're sitting there, and Jarvis comes rushing into the, the lounge or library, whatever it is. And the Fandral is sitting here reading Life magazine in English, no doubt. Uh, Jarvis comes and he says, Masters Hogan and Fandral, there seems to be a bit of a difficulty. We have enough trouble, friend Jarvis. Take thy difficulty elsewhere. That's just it, sir. I'm afraid I can't. The Avengers seem to be off somewhere. And since you have enjoyed their hospitality these past days... Aye, that we have, Jarvis, says Fandral. Out with it, then. What would you have us do? And uh, we shift to a, a few moments later, and the, the Hogan and Fandral are kind of bandying this about. We do little of worth here, Fandral, says Hogan, waiting for Thor to return from his quest. Hogan, for one, welcomes the strain of battle. As do I, friend, says Fandral, for I find that this unending weight has dampened my spirit. Nor do I take joy in the prospect of relaying our cursed news to our friend the Thunder God. And uh, Volstagg comes bursting through the door, kind of squeezing through the door, I guess. Battle? Do Volstagg's noble ears deceive him? Didst thou cry out the call to war? That we did, fat one, says Hogan. And thou shalt battle beside us this time, great mouth, not behind us as e'er before. Verily thou dost insult me. Verily thou art a great weight, says Hogan, and they haul Volstagg off, and uh, they're going to join the battle, and we have a shot here of, of Jarvis, and says, 
For a long moment, the man called Jarvis stands watching, his features a mixture of amusement and concern. These three gods of Asgard have come to mean something to him, and he worries that even they might find the battle too overwhelming, as others have before. And uh, we cut back to Thor, where he is still trying to tunnel through the earth, and it says here, At last I sense that I do draw closer to the passage I seek. Yea, behind this final stone there lies a hollow. Whether the hollow is a tunnel doth remain to be seen. And he punches the stone with his hand with a bacow, and he smashes it to bits, and he comes out in a large, ca- uh, large tunnel, which is what I said he should be looking for all along. And he says, May the fates be praised. Uluk's path is clear. And from this moment, so is Thor's. And we shift again back to Earth. But this time we are somewhere different. Uh, remember Tananiel and Silas Grant? Uh, yeah, they last appeared six issues ago. Well, they're back. So they're sitting here somewhere, not sure where, and they're watching television. And uh, yeah, then they're watching the news here. And it's, yeah, newscaster is, is explaining what's going on. And uh, Tana says, Silas, do you hear what that man is saying? Is it true or yet another drama? Tis no story, lass. Those lads look mean. And yeah, of course, they're televising the trolls. And they, yeah, they do look mean. And the TV says, Early reports indicate total chaos in the Midtown area. The identified creatures advance unchecked. Though at the moment, if our cameras are picking this up correctly, they are about to be countered by the so-called Thunder God, Thor. And Thor comes bursting up out of the ground. So uh, I guess uh, you know, Silas and Tana decide that they're going to uh, help. And uh, Silas says, He's Baglas, and tis a curse he chose this day for a homecoming. Are you coming, Tana girl? Yes, Silas, though not in this comely human form, but rather in the shape to which I was born, and which will serve me best, the shape of a Rigelian colonizer. It's such a shape I have not held since we were first marooned on Earth. And she changes back into her huge-headed form, and we shift back to Thor as he is uh, wading into the fight, and he's whacking across the... uh, uh, the army here, and he's swinging his hammer and just bashing these uh, trolls. It says here, Thor's already begun the attack, and though at first he seems truly outnumbered, still is he Thor, the blood son of Odin, and he's whapping all these trolls aside pretty easily. And he, uh, he makes his way to where Ulik is standing. He says, Ulik, turn and face me, troll. Thy war doth move to an end. You, says Ulik. I don't know how you survived, blonde hair, but this I promise you. Thou wilt, eh? And there's a giant Zack sound effect as one of the trolls uh, tries to uh, blast Thor with some sort of a ray gun. It, it interrupts the fight that's going on between Uwek and Thor, and the, what the, other, the other troll's like, Fire again, fool! Uwek will be pleased if we destroy the Asgardian. Now! And uh, we have a voice, and uh, we have the arrival of the Warriors 3. Villains, thou wouldst attack a man from behind, says Fandral. But one language do they speak, Fandral, a language Hogan doth understand too well. And Hogan hurls his mace into the uh, the crowd of, of trolls, or the, the two with the ray gun anyway, and it goes spatang and knocks them back. And Thor notices they're there, and he says, Fandral, Hogan, hold those demons at bay, whilst I'll do seek to undo the damage their misaimed bolt hath wrought. And so their ray gun that, that uh, 
yeah, what, Batum earlier, it has knocked down a building or it's uh, damaged a building. It looks like it's about to fall. We see people inside are kind of toppling and their dishes are flying around and and the guy, there's a guy in a purple shirt. He's going, good Lord, what's happening? The entire building, it's tilting, toppling over. Uh, and we see uh, Thor, he's trying to keep the building from falling down. It says, Far below the frightened cries, a figure strains, muscles rippling in steel-like bands across a broad back. For a moment, the structure totters, and then... Ulick is warning uh, Thor, apparently, because he thinks that Thor is going to get buried by the building. Release it, you fool! Your strength is waning! Already you weaken! Then I shall fall, says Thor. Yea, fall rather than surrender to thee. You are a fool, Thunder God, says Ulick, and soon a dead fool. And Ulick seems to be encroaching here on Thor, and the Warriors Three are there now, too. And Fandral is waving a sword around, I guess, trying to keep Ulick back. Stay firm, my lord, says Fandral. We'll hold this demon. Methinks thou dost speak too quickly, friend Fandral. And uh, Hogan is also kind of encroaching on Ulick here. The yellow maned one knows his foe, dolt, whereas it seems that you do not. And Ulick just basically swipes his hand. Uh, and knocks both Fandral and Hogan aside, just, just knocks them aside. There's not even a sound effect. It's that ignominious. Anyway, <laughs> and, the, and then we see uh, Silas Grant, uh, who is pretty much next to useless. And they, anyway, and uh, Tana Nile, and she's got some sort of array blaster as well. They're lost, and they're having quite a time of it too. Think you can lend them a bit of aid with that toy of yours? It is no toy, Silas Grant. The Rigelian stasis gun is one of the most potent weapons in the civilized galaxy. And Tana is trying to blast Ulick with it, and uh, she misses, but there's a giant foom sound effect. Friends of old Marvel, as it were. Then she manages to start uh, hitting it, but it's not really stopping Ulick. And uh, Silas points this out, says, Potent it may be, lass, but perhaps tis not quite potent enough. It... It isn't possible, says Tananile. No creature alive can withstand the stasis effect. Thou dost forget, Tananile, says Thor. Thy weapon was designed for beings natural, and the monster called Ulik is beyond such mortal definitions. In a moment this building will be steadied, and then must Ulik face the force and fury of the only son of Odin, Thor. And so Thor has, I guess, settled the building down, as it were, and then he starts to encroach on Ulik from behind. He says, Turn, demon! Turn and meet my anger. Turn and meet the rage of an Asgardian born. I say thee, creature, turn! And he grabs Ulik from behind. He gets him like in a half Nelson sort of thing. Yeah, before he can before he can smush uh Tana Nile standing in front of him. And Ulik uh, says, Arrogant pup, do you realize who I am? I am Ulik! Ulik the Invincible! Ulik the uncontroll and he goes because Thor has punched him in the gut. Kind of ignoring that Ulik had actually been in a half Nelson in the prior panel, which is, is not a great flow. Anyway, we have a bit of back and forth between Ulik and, and Thor, and uh, Thor's punching Ulik, and Ulik's uh, basically getting beat up at this point. He goes whump and whack and chump and bakoom as uh, Thoris is kind of beating up on, on Ulick, and Ulick falls unconscious on the ground, and he's in this, laying in this sort of hole. And the army notices this, and they're like, By searcher's flames, Ulick has fallen! 
What should we do? Without Ulick, we are nothing. We have only one choice. We must return him to Garoder and pray for our king's mercy. And uh, one of the other trolls like, but are we should ask Pluto for freedom from Hades. We have one panel here of uh, Ulick being brought before the king, and it says here, And so it came to pass that Ulick, once mighty, once leader of all the trolls, returned to the court of Giroder, and there was consigned to the darkest pits for the duration of eternity. And um, we cut back to Earth, where we have... Thor and the Warriors Three and Tananiel and Silas Grant and uh, Thor saying, Thy weapon did weaken him more than either of thee didst know, Tananiel. Without thy aid, there might have been a different climax to this day. My lord, there is something upon which we must speak. In a moment, friend Hogan. For now there is a concern of far more important pending. Yon tunnel, uh, they're talking about the tunnel that the uh, army came through. Yon tunnel must be forever sealed that man may need fear another invasion from below. To that end, I shall move this abandoned building and give it more purpose than it has ever known. And he is taking the <laughs> he's taking this brownstone-type building and he's just shoving it into the street um, in one piece, which, of course, that wouldn't happen, would it? I mean, there's thing, such thing as, uh, like, a foundation? And they're connected to it. You know, it's not like a just giant building block that you can just push. Anyway, uh, that's very silly that Thor is uh, he's pushing a building into the middle of the street. Because if he stands in the middle of the street, why not the buildings too? Anyway, so he does that. And he says, then shall we talk, Hogan, but we must be brief. My quest for Balder, who was sought by Sif and Carnilla, both, must have for no further setbacks. Now, Tananiel, use thy weapon once more. Let the mortar and stone of this ancient tomb fill that cavity like a plug, and we shall be done with this madness for now and evermore. And so uh, she takes her stasis beam, and basically she melts the building into a giant puddle of rock, sealing the, the street. Um, okay, how, how very weird. Anyway, a minor adjustment to the stasis beam, a moment's aiming, and the final deed is finished, the story almost done. And uh, we, we are here with, uh, you know, the gang here. Almost my heart goes out to those demon trolls, says Thor. Verily, their plight is a dark one. Yet their method betrayed their cause. My lord, may we speak, says Fendril. Briefly, Fendril. Lord Thor, would that I could be brief. Tis about Balder, whom thou dost seek. My lord, he has returned. Then the quest is nigh over, says Thor. Where is he, Fendril? I must hasten to him. My lord, tis on this we must converse. Brave Balder hath changed. Thou dost riddle me, Fandral. Simply then, my lord. Balder hath gone mad. Next issue, return to Asgard. And that is the mighty Thor, number 211. And we'll be talking about this issue right after this message. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Give me that Star Trek. A new episode every month only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes.
And we're back. And of course, we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. So I have to say, I mean, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed by this issue. And a lot of it has to do not with the basic idea of, okay, so Ulick has decided whatever, he's going to invade the surface world, he's going to destroy everything. Um, it's the fact that they've actually kind of made a big deal about Ulick being you know, this powerful creature. He seized control of, of Garoder's kingdom to the point where King Garoder is pretty much given up on life. I mean, he's just kind of huddled there with, with Queen Ula, who basically ruined everything. Now, this isn't really mentioned. I mean, I, I don't know if Queen Ula ever comes back. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. But basically, she made it possible for Thor to, to kind of come up and defeat everybody. Um, yeah. And, uh, but the problem that I have with it is basically this whole invasion of New York came down to Ulick and what looks like a huge army basically being single-handedly defeated by Thor with a little bit of help from the Warriors three in literally about four pages. Um, yeah, because we, we actually show, you know, we show, show the army coming up through the street. We have, you know, Tananiel and Silas Grant, who, like I said, is, is less than useless. Silas Grant, I mean, why is he even here? Uh, other than, than maybe Tana likes him or something. Anyway, so, you know, Thor shows up on the scene and we have a page here of Thor fighting the army uh, basically, he only hits like five five trolls, and then he confronts you know, Ulick. So you know, the other hundreds of trolls that we've seen, and you know, where are they? What are they doing? I mean, obviously they, they'd be out there causing causing a lot of damage and stuff like that, to the point of whether they're knocking buildings down. The warriors three appear on the scene. And they basically they stop two trolls with a ray gun. And then they kind of stand behind Thor while he's saving the building. And basically, they, you know, they're getting ready to fight Ulick. But Tana Niall comes in and, and she hits him with the stasis gun, which apparently is the decisive thing which really decides the battle. That's fine. I, I don't mind that. But then we have Ulick's final defeat, which basically is one page, one-on-one -on -one Thor versus Ulick. Nine panels. It's nine panels. And that's all it took for Thor to dispatch Ulick and his army. Now, obviously, if Ulick has this big of an army, how is he communicating with them? How do they know that he's been bested? They seem to be, you know, it's like, okay, well, Ulick's down, therefore the battle is won. You know, maybe that's true, but then there's also these hundreds of, of trolls that we don't see who are out there wrecking havoc, and they don't even know what's going on because they're... There's hundreds of them, and they're far away now. They've got to be relatively far away, unless they're just crowding around Ulick, and you know that's just it. And Ulick falls, and they just give up. So this leads to another question, and that is, why does Ulick want to rule Earth? What does Earth have that Ulick would want? It's just a very poorly thought out motivation. It's disappointing in a sense because I think I think it's so Jerry Conway just didn't really think the story through. And also that, uh, that Roy Thomas, who was the editor, just kind of didn't care. Uh, he's just saying, okay, yeah, that's good enough, you know, and, and just giving, giving him the pass on it. So it's a little bit disappointing. Now, art-wise, the, the artwork, 
Uh, very comparable to last issue. I think that actually it's a little bit better than the last issue. I think Don Perlin is doing his, uh, yeah, obviously is doing his embellisher thing. The artwork's still very sketchy. You can tell it's Buscema, obviously, certainly the Buscema layouts. It's, it's not bad. The, the artwork, I think, is better than, than what we've seen for a while. It's a little bit better than the last issue. Uh, the faces are on point. I mean, it looks very definitely like Don Perlin finished all the faces himself and just kind of followed whatever basic sketchiness that, that Bissema gave him from the beginning. The whole pushing the building into the middle of the road thing is just silly. Yeah, that, that's something that, that I probably will be making fun of for years. Other than that, I mean, it, it, was, it was a serviceable issue of a 70s Marvel comic. They probably could have had another issue of this story, fleshed things out more, had more going on, had a real reason for the Warriors 3 to come into the fight other than, well, I mean, Jarvis sent them there. So I guess that is that really all the reason you need. But they didn't do anything. Basically, Hogan threw his mace, hit the two guys with the ray gun, and that's it. So is it really worth bringing them into the story? <laughs> you know, I, I would say no. I'd say, well, they didn't really do anything. They, they served no function in the story. Why bring them in? I mean, Tana Nile had a more important role. I can see bringing her in. It makes sense to get the gang back together, but they could have shown more of that. And I think that that would have made the story much stronger. Like I said, they could probably could have had another issue of this with more going on more fighting you know it is kind of a bit of a thin story and i get that but this just seemed overly rushed even for a 70s marvel comic it just seems like things were resolved way too quickly way too easily and not very well all right so uh, that is it for this week folks once again thanks very much for listening and i'm back over the rainbow bridge back to midgard and we'll see you next time here on radio free asgard Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>